welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. You know you're in Holden territory here. <laughs> uh, you doing well? Uh, thank you, Tony, for those kind words. Uh, honestly, uh, we champion your cause. Edge Church champions your cause here in Victory, and we are so blessed to be in partnership with you. And uh, uh, it was great. We just spent last week together. I don't know that I was there, but I was really not there. I was sick, but we spent some time with Tony up on the Gold Coast, just really talking about what God's doing across the nation and where, where we can partner together and continue to see the kingdom of God expand. There's a lot of people outside of our doors that need God, eh? Yeah. And uh, it's just a privilege to be here and, and be a part of the, the journey of seeing you grow and the things you're, you're moving into. Uh, my, my primary role at Edge Church is I'm the general manager there and I also look after our West Campus and I've just got our, our pastor from our West, which is Mike Freiland. Whoa, hello. Don't you love that? They just wanted to wake you up. Stand up, Mike. It's Mike, our, our pastor from our West Campus. So hello. Uh, we've just, at our, at our campus, just opened a childcare centre two weeks ago and uh, having some great, interesting comments made by the community. Uh, one of our biggest fans in the community is a, a Muslim lady who came along and looked at our, our centre and just loves what she saw, saw that we're overtly Christian and that we are going to teach the principles of the Word of God. And she said, she said to us, one of the girls, there, you're not going to convert us to Christianity, are you? And we said, no. But behind our breath, said, that's the Holy Spirit's job anyway. So, uh, no, we'll just love your child. We'll, we'll teach them the, the Word of God. And she had no problem with that. She's gone telling all of her Muslim friends to come along to our child's care centre. So, uh, that's awesome. You know, so we're just looking. We're just looking for God to do some great things there, to uh, really reach out into the western suburbs there. You know, it was a really interesting thing. Just found out the other week that the the highest religion in Finden High School is actually Muslim. The highest religion in our local high school around the corner is actually Muslim, and so uh, we got a lot of work in our hands. It's in, it, we don't have to look overseas anymore. It's in our back door. And so, uh, not that we're on a, a, a Christian, you know, crusade uh, to, to do, but we're there to love them and let the Word of God and let the love of God actually transform their lives. Amen? This morning, I want to, tra- I want to talk on, trans- on, um, on generosity. So, I've got a few clips for you. Um, I like going to YouTube and checking out a whole lot of things. And I found this on YouTube the other day. It's called The Generosity Shop. Check this out.
How good's that? It's pretty good, eh? Generosity is something that uh, is not common. But I can tell you, as Christians, it is probably it is the most common thing that should be resident in every Christian. Right from the beginning, it said in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave. The very foundation of our Christianity, the very thing that's core and common between us is our generosity. It's interesting, however, the world outside of the church doesn't necessarily see the church as generous. They actually see the church as takers, that, the, that we're there literally to take from the community, not necessarily give back to the community. And uh, there's been quite a few interesting things said about the church in times past, but I found this on YouTube, and it's an interesting perspective of a comedy company of what they think about the church. Have a a look at this. Very interesting, isn't it? What the world out there thinks about the church. In fact, just a little sideline here, we're just, just a Sunday. We've actually changed the way we do church on Sunday. You know, you've got your run sheet, and you know, not your, your worship songs or whatever, and you go to the announcements, and you do your offering, and then you, you preach. We've actually changed in church. We've actually changed, just recently changed our offering to the end. Because usually, the first participation you've got as visitors as a visitor comes, the first thing they actually hear from you is, we want your money before we even give you anything. And so we're trying to be very conscious of the visitor in church to realize church is not about getting your money. We want actually to give you Jesus. We want to give you life. And so uh, we're just really trying to look at life through the eyes of the person who doesn't normally see church. But to get them in the door, you've got to actually counteract that before they get here. Anyway, let's move on. Proverbs 11.24 says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Mark chapter 12 of the message says this, The large crowd was delighted with what they heard. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus continued teaching, Watch out for the religious scholars... They love to walk around in academic gowns, preening in the radiance of public flattery, basking in prominent positions, sitting at the head of tables or on bench seats in parks at every church function. 
And all the time, they are exploiting the weak and the helpless. The longer their prayers, the worse they get. And they'll pay for it in the end. Verse 41 says this, Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow, however, came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over. Hey, come here. He said this, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others, not just singularly, but more than all the others, it says here, put together. So all of the rich, all of those, all of their collective input was not as much as the two widows' coins. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. She gave extravagantly. Extravagance, it's a big word. We talk about it often in our conversations, but extravagance means this. It means to exceed the limits of reason, to exceed the limits of necessity, lacking in moderation. No moderation in your giving here. Lacking in moderation lacking in balance, lacking in restraint, extremely or excessively elaborate. So this woman gave beyond the realms of reason. Beyond the realms of reason. Listen to me, guys. To live beyond the realms of reason, you have to move into the realm of revelation. Because reason is finite, by our own thinking, by our own surmising, but revelation lives outside of the realm of reason. So extravagance and generosity is not something that's within the realms of limitations according to your reason. It lives outside of the realm of reason into the realm of revelation, where generosity is something that doesn't come from your reasonable understanding, but it comes from a place of where God in you reveals something that is of Him that allows you to operate outside of the realm of your understanding and move into the realm of generosity. So generosity is not something that is innate in us. So I want to drop a whole lot of thoughts to you this morning, just some quick bombs of thoughts about generosity. I'm going to read uh, a, a scripture to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, out of the message again. And this scripture is really... It's, a, it's written to the Corinthian church in Greece, bragging about this little church in Macedonia, this little church that are just doing their best. And here's Paul bragging about these guys. Listen to the way he brags about them to this church in Corinth. He says, now, friends, I want to report to you on the surprising and generous way in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colours. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. It was there, and I saw it for myself, they gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. Pleading for the privilege, listen, pleading 
for the privilege of helping out in the relief of the poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention so that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do well in so many things. You trust God, you're articulate, you're insightful, you're passionate, you love us. Now, do your best in this as well. Pretty good, eh? So here's some thoughts from this passage. Number one, everybody can be generous. Everybody can be generous. These guys were desperately poor, the scripture said. So generosity is not bound to your means. Generosity is not bound to whether you've got enough to do at home. It says they were desperately poor, but they were incredibly generous. The widow was desperately poor, but the Bible says she was extravagantly generous. So the issue is not about what you have. Remember, reason. It's not about what you can or can't afford according to your thinking. It's about living outside of that in the realm of, of revelation and seeing that your limits are not bound by your means. Generosity is something that comes from your heart. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the heart of a person. Because you can be generous in many areas of your life. Money is just one of them. We heard up here, you got two guys asking for some help to put this together. For some of you, you would have went through your week in reason, I went, oh, I can't do Monday night, I can't do Tuesday night, Wednesday night, my wife will kill me if I'm out again. Thursday night, no, no, I don't know, look, I'm so busy, I just can't do it. And in your reason, you blocked out the opportunity to be generous. You've blocked it out because it's not going to sit within the ability of your reason to actually make it happen. It's got to live in the realm of revelation. It's got to live in the realm of, thought, I'm just going to be generous no matter what and just make it happen. Because the opportunity to be generous is something that actually flows from God, not from your articulate reasoning. Everybody can be generous. Number two, generosity is evidence of God at work. It says here in verse one, Now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous way in which God is working in the church of Macedonia. Generosity is something that comes from God. It's not something that... People look at you and go, oh, you're, you're such a generous person. No, it's actually God in you working through you to bring generosity into the world to actually encourage people. Because generosity, if it's worked out of revelation, should not point people to you. It should point people to God in you. So here's Paul bragging about this church, about how generous they were. We don't actually talk about, it doesn't list the individuals in the church. He actually talks about the church being incredibly generous. But who was working through them? God. It's actually a character of God in you. Number three, generosity opportunities are not always timely. In fact, generosity opportunities, I would say, come at the worst possible time. It says that their fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches Pushing them to the very limit. Generosity, because 
extravagant generosity that represents God will not actually fit in the realm of your ability. It has to fit in the realm of God's ability in you. It will not come at the time that is most open for you. It's not going to come at the most, oh, gee, Tony, if you'll ask me last week, I could have been here. But this week, man, I've got, no, there's just no, 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 no. Hey, move into the realm. Say, God, I'm going to be there. God, I want you to work on my behalf to facilitate the rest of it because I actually want to live a life of generosity. It says they were pushed to the limit. When you're pushed to the limit, let me ask you this question. What comes out? When you're pressed, when everything's squeezing in, your time, your money, your, your, you feel like there's nothing. When you're squeezed like that right to the end, let me ask you what's coming out. Here, they were pushed to the limit and generosity flowed. Generosity is not going to come along at the time when it suits you. It's actually going to come at the time when it probably doesn't suit you. And that's the time when you operate from the realm of God in you, moving into the realm of revelation, beyond the realm of reason, and saying, you know what? I'm going to do it because God in me wants to do it, and it doesn't matter. I'm just going to be generous. Just going to be generous. Number four. Generosity is a result of revelation. It will push you to the limit. The fight between the natural and the spiritual will always be on when generosity is put before you. It will always be there. And can I tell you, you will have all sorts of things yelling at you. I've never realized until I moved into the position of the, what I do in church, how loud a bill yells at me. That little piece of paper, how loud that, that thing just screams at you. Who knows what I'm talking about? It comes and you put it on the fridge and every time you go to the fridge, you don't even want to go to the fridge anymore because that thing is yelling at you, pay me, pay me. And you just want to go, go away. And you see those letters come in the mail that have got the little window on them. And if you're like me, they just sit on the end of the bench for two weeks. I just don't want to open them. Because all they do is yell at me. They yell at me, pay me. Ultimately, yes, I've got to deal with that. But can I say, the, the realm of generosity, for you to live in generosity, you've got to learn to deal with that and realize, yes, it will push you to the limit, but still, yet in God, I'm still going to be generous at every level. I'm still going to give my time. I'm still going to give my friendship. I'm still going to give to my wife. I'm still going to take that time off work to give to my kids because I need to be generous in my world at every level. Number four, generosity is a result of revelation. Number five, generosity leads to purity of heart. To purity of heart. It says here, the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. The pressure they were under, they were extremely poor, but in their their level of pressure, they decided to be generous and give, not to themselves, but give to the other churches that were in need, give to the other Christians who were at, at a point of pain. It says that they gave, and what happened? 
an, out pure, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts followed. You see, when you live in the realm of generosity, when you choose to be generous, when you choose to start making generosity a part of your lifestyle, there's something that happens on the inside because it's not, it's not a realm of human living. It's actually something from the heart of God. You're actually starting to reveal God's heart for people and be generous to people and the pure, your heart starts to get purified. It's like all of a sudden you start to see through the eyes of God for other people because you've positioned yourself for generosity. You've positioned yourself to be generous. You've positioned yourself to start seeing other people's needs above yourself. And what happens? There was a generous outpouring of purity of heart. Hey, the most attractive thing that this, this church is going to have to the community is loving it but not loving it with strings attached, just loving it because you can. Just going out and say, we love you, we give to you, whatever it takes, we're going to be there. And I'll tell you, it is the most attractive thing because it's pure. It's pure. People come and ask, what, what is? No, we just do it because we can. Because we care. It actually creates a pure heart. John 3.16 for God, what did he do? So loved. So loved. That's an interesting little two words. So loved. He gave because there was a so loving in him that he couldn't help but give. It wasn't a thing of, well, you know, I've created these little monsters down there, so I better do something to finish with them in the end. So I, I better do something. No, it wasn't like that. There was such an outpouring of his love for us that it was a so love thing. I can't help but do this because I so love. The generosity of God moved him to the point where he so loved so much that he gave of his best. Let me ask you, what is your so love? What's your so love? That what you see, you can't help, but you so love it, it actually takes your wallet, it takes your time, it takes your, your thoughts, it takes your prayer. It's a so love in you that you just can't help but give. My daughters are a so love in my life. They cost me everything. My wife and I do not sit down and go, well, how can we... Uh, uh, how can we actually work this through that our kids know we love them, but we can just keep the cream for ourselves and it costs us nothing to keep them? It's a stupid thought, isn't it? So, no, it's not like that. I don't even count the cost. I just so love them that I give to them. In fact, it hurts me. One of them's 21, the other's 19. They don't think it hurts me. But it does, and I'm trying to be a father in this. It hurts me to take board off them. But I'm doing it for them. I'm not spending the money. I'm just putting it in the bank. Don't tell them. But I'm doing it for them because I so love them. It's a part of my love for them. But it hurts me because I want to give them everything. I rocked up the other day and gave them two, an iPad each. said, here, I love you. You're in uni. You're doing really, really well. Here, have an iPad. My wife killed me, but I love him. What would you say? He wants to be a part of my family? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So where is your soul love? Is it your ute? Is it your car? 
I tell you what, there's some really nice cars here on the north side. Is it the mags you've got to have? Is it the holiday you've got to have? Where's your so love? This church so loved the kingdom of God that they gave extravagantly right to the point of pressure and pure love flowed. Pure love flowed. Hey, you've got a great building here. You're gonna, you're gonna, God is doing a great work here. But can I say this is just the start? This is just the start. Please do not rest on your laurels when all of this is all finished here and the building's done and say, oh, how good are we? What have we done? Isn't this awesome? No, this is just the start. The flow's got to go out from here. It's got to go out, but it's got to go out with a heart of generosity that has got a, a revelation from God saying, God has given us this for the purpose of the people that aren't in church. We call them at Edge Church, they're not yet Christians. They're not yet Christians. Generosity leads to purity of heart. Generosity is a privilege and it's spontaneous. It's a privilege. It's not something that is designed for, it is designed for everything, but it's actually in the realm of the privilege. It's not something you go, okay, yeah, well, I'll be generous. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, you have 10 bucks. That's not generosity. Generosity is spontaneous. It's not something that's dragged out of you. The last thing the pastor Tony wants to do is get up and drag money out of you to complete what's here. Hey, go and read when they built the temple. They bought so much that they had to get up and say, stop. We've got enough. Too much gold, too much silver. We've got enough. Keep it. No, we love it. We just want to give. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Dream now. On Sunday, that the offering's taken up, and you've got to go to the church and say, Church, you're too generous. We've got too much. We've got too much. Please, tithe's good. Go and be a blessing. We've got enough. Lord, bring that day on. You laugh, but that's what happened back then. They had more than enough to build the temple. They had to tell them to stop giving. Spontaneous. When it's a revelation, you can't help. Let's go to the next chapter, and this is where we get this scripture, that God loves a cheerful giver. That scripture is actually talking about that Macedonian church. Giving cheerfully. Number seven, generosity is a reflection of your love for God. Verse 9 says, The brothers who traveled with him are delegates from churches, a real credit to Christ. Show them what you've made of the love I've been talking up in the churches. In other words, Paul was so impressed, he went telling everybody about this, this church. And he said, Show them, these people I've this envoy I've sent to you, show them what you're made of because this is a reflection of your love for God. Your generosity is a reflection of how much you love God. If you want to boil it down to, it's a reflection of how much you love God. A great leader of our nation who's passed away now stood up at a conference once. I don't know if you've ever said this, Tony. He stood up at a conference once and he speaking to pastors and leaders, the, the hardest ones to move. He, he said, I want you to get your offering out. His name's Pastor David Cartledge, for some of you who might remember him. So everyone got their offering out. 
And he said, I want you to hold it up in the air. He said, I want you to repeat this after me. Dear God, for all that we say and do, this is really what we think of you. For all that we say and do, we can say a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff. But in my hand is really what I think of you. And when you think about it, the Bible says where your heart is, there will be your treasure also. It all flows out of generosity. Generosity is a direct link of your love for God. Show me a generous person. Show me a person who's got a revelation of generosity. Let me tell you, I'll show you a person who knows the heart of God. It's how it flows. Because it comes from God. Do you know you can't calculate generosity? You can't go home this afternoon and go, well, now how can I be generous? You can't calculate something that lives in the realm of revelation. Of course, calculating something is in the realm of reason. I'll go A, B, C, D, right, and cut my wage and cut it all up and say, well, now I've got this to be generous. And that's a good thing. But let me tell you, you can't calculate generosity because it's not within your realm of here. It's got to live outside of that where God speaks and God says, give. You tradies, when was the last time you heard the voice of God to say, just do that job for free? My radar doesn't go up that far. I don't listen that far. But wouldn't it be awesome being in a position where you're praying on the job and God says, you know, this lady you're doing the job for, I just want you to cut your bill in half and give it to her for free. And you've got no idea what that might do to trigger something of life inside that lady that will give you an open opportunity when she says, why are you doing that? Because I can, because I care. Do you want to really know why I'm doing it? Because I was just praying and I really felt God say to me, I just needed to cut my bill in half. So I just want to bless you. I tell you who gets blessed, you walk away incredibly blessed. You know what I love doing occasionally? Standing in the line of a petrol station, you know, they, they go to pay for your petrol and someone, three, three people in front of you are going through their purse and Oh no, I've, I, I've left my wallet at home. You ever had a situation like that? I've left my wallet at home and you get frustrated. Come on, I've got to get to my meeting. And God speaks to you. You know what I've done? I've actually stepped and said, hey, you okay? Oh, and just go and pay for the petrol. Just a simple act of, I'll pay for it, it's okay. They just look at you. Where are you from? Are you strange? It's amazing what happens in those people's worlds. It just totally messes with their head because it's something that comes from the heart of God that God just does something there, just bang. They'll go to work and say, do you know what happened to me today? You got any idea? This bloke, this bloke, this rough tradie, this fella, just stepped forward and paid 80 bucks for my petrol because I left my wallet at home. Opportunities of generosity are in front of you all the time. All the time. Finish it a sec. This is what happens when you're generous in you. Number one, you move from consumption to contribution. All of a sudden, your mindset as a consumer, what do you get out of life, totally moves to what can I put back in. You move from consuming to contribution. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches. That's a big deal. How much riches has got God? How much 
riches has God got? If he's going to supply your needs according to his riches, he's going to supply your needs according to his, not yours. So he sees your needs and says, well, if I'm in his position, this is how I'm going to supply that. And bang, all of a sudden things change. He'll supply your needs according to his perspective. Number two, you move from a shift from transaction to trust. You don't go into a a level of generosity of just going, okay, I'm going to be generous and see if it comes back. No, you just be generous. And you start being generous. And you start being generous. And you continue being generous. And what happens? The law of sowing and reaping kicks in. And you start to sow and sow and sow. And all of a sudden, you see the reaping happening in other areas of your life. God starts blessing you with other things that happen in your life. It may not come back with the cash in the, in the mail, but it may come back in another ways where you've sowed and you reap. And you move from a place of total dependency and trust on the purposes of God in your life. You move from transaction to trust. You move from isolation to community. Of course, isolation mentality is, well, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? I'm going to the breakfast this morning, I'm paying seven bucks, I hope it's a good breakfast. What am I going to get out of it? It's an isolated mentality, but when you actually start to move to generosity, you're thinking of others all the time. And an isolated person is isolated within themselves. But when you start to give, all of a sudden you see community, and you know what? You personally get connected to community. You find you've got a heck of a lot more friends, not because you give them money, but because your heart changes and your generosity changes. And the conversations you're having with people in the church are not anymore about you. You're actually talking about them because your perspective in life moves from you to others. You're not isolated anymore. You're connected and community. So if you're a lonely person, have a look at your conversation. Is it about you or others? Are you spending time giving, it to, giving time to others or to yourself? Isolation to community. And the fourth thing that happens is you move from scarcity to abundance. From scarcity, from lack to abundance. You become rich at every level. Friendships become richer. Your purpose in your work becomes richer. Because it's not about just doing the job anymore. It's looking for God to work through the opportunities that he's given. And everything becomes rich. Everything becomes color. Your world moves from black and white to color. You move to abundance and you start to see life as God meant you to see it because you're starting to reflect the heart of God. So this is not something that just happens overnight. I'll leave this with you. You know what you've got to do? You've got to move from a point of saying, well, God, I want to move out of reason. I want this to be a revelation in my heart. So God, I open my heart up to you. Say, God, give me opportunities to be generous. Help me to see as you see. And what you do is you take a step. And it just starts to become a practice. So the practice, day after day, becomes a habit. And that habit, day after day, as you keep practicing, becomes a lifestyle. And then the lifestyle moves to a point of personhood. So you start by doing generous acts and you finish up by being a generous person. Generosity. It flows from the heart of God. And we need men that are generous at every level with their children, with their wives, with their friends, with their work, with their community. God bless you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. 
and God bless.